Okay. Good morning. This is Ivana Lodovici, and I'm listening to the Culture Matters podcast. When you're developing your international business, one thing is often forgotten cultural differences. The Culture Matters International Business Podcast does exactly that. Focus on international business and cultural differences. Chris and Peter guide you through the maze of business and cultural differences in every podcast episode. Get the global perspective here at the Culture Matters International Business Podcast. Good morning, Ivana. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good as well. And I know it's a morning because I know where you are, but the audience doesn't know where you are or who you are. So maybe you could do us a favor um, and uh, give us a little bit of an introduction about yourself. Like, who are you? Um, Who are people listening to or maybe looking at? And um, um, what do you do? Where are you now? And what is your cultural frame of reference? That's a lot of questions. In the meantime, I'm going to make myself a coffee and then we'll be back in about 10 minutes or something. (laughs) It's a long introduction. So my name is Ivana Lodovici. I am uh, originally from Italy, born and raised in Naples. Uh, well, let's say that I've been raised. I was raised between Italy and Luxembourg. I moved to Luxembourg when I was nine years old, and I finished my schooling there. And then I graduated uh, in Naples in political science. Now I live in uh, Miami, in Florida, in the United States. I've been here for about twenty years. And uh, I moved right after college and I am an international recruiter. So I've been working in recruiting in the United States for the past 15 years, Mm -hmm. uh, almost ever since I moved to the US. And I worked with American organizations, internal Mm -hmm. recruiting. I worked with American uh, recruiting agencies. And now I specialize in helping European companies, especially Italian companies, hiring in the US, Canada, and we do a little bit of Mexico also. Okay. So there's going back in time um, for you yourself. Uh, You've been there 20 years, you said, from Italy or Luxembourg to the United States. What was the biggest Mm -hmm. shock you got there where you are right now? Wow, I'm still shocked. Culture shock, that is. Yeah, culture shock. I'm Mm -hmm. in shock about a lot of things about the United States. (laughs) Uh, I still feel very European, but... Um, other than the fact that the cars were bigger and the ice cubes were a lot bigger than in Europe, um, I think it's people. I mean, I live I lived one one year in North Carolina and then the rest of the time in South Florida, so Miami area, which is not really the United States. If you know a little bit, the area out here is a very Latin culture and lately very very international, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the uh, things that have been always that shocked me at first was the different, the, the cultural difference in the approach, mm-hmm. the American approach, the European approach. Um, as an Italian, I am always very direct. I I speak my mind. I tell what I have in mind, and that got me in trouble a lot of times with friends or and at work because I was like, okay, but. I'm telling you the truth. Why? Why you're you know <laughs> upsetting me? Um, so Americans are a lot more politically correct, as you know. So I had to learn how to adapt. Um, and then the other thing that was really a shock to me is the fact that the United States is is humongous. Mm-hmm. So we have the idea of the American person. Mm-hmm. Well, it's fifty states. Even within America, there's different different cultures. 
And um, so working with, you know, different, in my case, different candidates from different states, from different backgrounds, uh, from different geographical area, I also realized that Americans are not one, but there are many, you know. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was really interesting to me. Good. Peter? Interesting uh, that you mentioned this uh, direct uh, feedback, right? Of course, uh, the Dutch are actually famous for it. And of course, as you know, Chris and I are both Dutch and I think you're working for a a Dutch company now. So you you must be in the right place then when it comes to direct (laughs) feedback. Um, I also, I uh, read your uh, blog. It's called Five Mistakes European Companies Make When Hiring in the United States. And uh, in the beginning, you said something about it's very easy to open a business in the United States. So what are some of these implications? First of all, how, how do you compare that versus Europe or Italy? And what, what are some of the implications when it comes to your, your line of business or how, how does it uh, impact cultural differences or how does that come, uh, 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 how does that enter your world? Yeah. So there are a couple of things that are very different compared to uh, your Europe and, and some countries in Europe more than others is bureaucracy. Um, it's very fluid here. There's less bu- bureaucracy process are, are much easier and therefore it's a lot easier to open an LSC. You can be yourself and just open it, you know, a company in five minutes, really. Um, so that's one of the differences that I see clients when they come to the U.S. They open a business. Um, they may have a, they may have a company register in New York with one person and it's it's a business. The second thing with, with larger organizations, uh, a lot of our clients in manufacturing, it's taxation. Mm-hmm. So a lot of states are have very favorable uh, taxation policies that uh, really encourage international companies to come to the U.S. and open a office, whatever it is, with the promise of hiring local candidates, because obviously they want you to bring the business but, you know, pay your taxes, but also hire locally. So uh, any companies that comes in the U.S. is supposed to have local hire employees. doesn't matter the nationality. It can be green card holders, but they, they want people to hire locally. So um, so opening, it's easier that, that, that starting a company in the U.S. or even merging and acquiring a company in Europe Um what becomes complex is then managing that company and managing the people that either you have inherited, if you're, you know, you have merged with another company, for example, you acquire another company, or if you have to come into the market, market your products, sell your products, and then hire, in my line of business, of course, is hiring candidates locally and how you manage and the whole process. Um, yeah. can, you, can I pitch in on that one? Because you you um, you said in the U.S. the fifty states there there is uh, some uh, intra cultural differences there, or there are some intra cultural differences there. And then you yeah. talk about one Europe as well, uh, or you talk about Europe, but being European yourself and having been raised between say Italy and Luxembourg, which are are, are I would say quite different as well. Um, yeah. Can, can you, in your viewpoint, talk about one Europe? It's, it's funny that you asked me that because when I came, you know, I, yes, I, I'm Italian, my family is Italian, but I was, uh, I went to school in Luxembourg and I always thought like, oh, okay, we as Italian have nothing to do with Germans. 
totally different cultures, you know, Northern, uh-huh. you know. Then I come to the US and I see a lot more the similarities about us European comparing to the Americans. And it has to do with history, I think. Mm-hmm. We have very close history, right? So um, the old continent, we all come from the old continent. There are some tradition, there are some ways of approaching uh, social systems that are similar in Europe. So now as living in the United States, I feel, even if I've been living for a long time here, I feel closer to a European from France, even Germany and, and, and I don't know, Norway, that I feel close my culture to an American, for example, right? right? So can we talk of one Europe? Maybe not, but but being in the United States, I see a lot of similarities and way of thinking that perhaps in the future will make one Europe, you know, more cohesive. Okay. All right. Yeah. Interesting, interesting take on that. Yeah, go ahead, Peter. No, I was just thinking about the about your comment regarding opening business. So I'm skipping back to the previous comment about it's so easy to open a business in the United States and it's it's more difficult or more bureaucratic in Italy. Although I think in the Netherlands, it's probably easier than in Italy, but then again, it's probably more difficult in the Netherlands than the United States. And it relates, <laughs> of course, to, and it relates, of course, to the, 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 the dimension of uncertainty and avoidance and predictability. I just wanted to uh, put that in here because that's exactly what the United States is, right? It is about just do it and we take the risk and uh, things might go wrong, but we'll pick up the pieces and we are, we are comfortable with a certain level of uncertainty, which is not necessarily the case in Italy uh, that has scores higher on that dim- dimension. But maybe as, a, uh, as an add-on to, to the next question, and this also came across in your post, you're talking about the, uh, the difficulty about hiring people uh, in general, but then of course across culture and nationalities. And you mentioned specifically the interview process is difficult or is very different. What exactly do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. So the typical interview process is basically the same. There's the same steps as in Europe, as in the US, you you have an opening, you create a job description, you post a job description, you start interviewing candidates, come with an offer, close, right? However, it is the timing and the process are different. Obviously, the people are different, the ones that you're interviewing, the approach is different. And you're and you're talking just to clarify for the audience as well, you're talking about people living or currently in the United States being recruited for, in your case, predominantly Italian companies. Right, right. And going to Italy or go working for companies that are already in the US and yeah. No, 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 no. We we concentrate on hiring people locally for company, in my case, Italian companies are ready in the US or maybe they're opening up because I follow some clients that were opening offices and hire their first employees. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about American-based candidates, and I'll explain what I mean by that, uh, working in America, in the United States or Canada. But let's focus on the US, right? So American-based candidates, what does it mean to me is that I am an American-based candidate. You know, I'm Italian, but I live and work in America. I pay taxes here. After 20 years, I have a American mentality in the way I approach the labor market. And so are even Europeans that maybe are, you know, double nationality that live here. So um, that's what I mean by the American-based candidate. It can be 
a Latin person, Italian person, but right. with a green card or a citizenship that's been have been here for a while. There's difference between them and the American American candidates, obviously. That's what I mean by it. So going back to the main differences that Peter was saying, um, it one main difference, and this belongs to all European companies, is timing. So in the United States, like Peter was saying, the society is a lot more dynamic and the labor market is a lot faster. Mm -hmm. So basically, when you start a process, it's not uncommon to that it takes two months to start a candidate. Even executive positions, I fill them in three months, which, you know, in Europe, it takes between six, eight months, etc. There's different reasons. Number one, because um, there's no contract in in, in United States usually. So the time that the, the, the period that the candidate has to give to his current employee to leave is typically two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe for a CEO, a month. While in Europe, you know, you have contracts that sometimes you have to be in the position for six months before you can leave your post and then join another company. So the American candidate is used to a quick process. So that's one thing that if you if the process becomes too lengthy, the American candidates start doubting and say, is the company really serious about this role? Mm-hmm. Uh, are they are they really interested in me? Um, why I haven't heard from them in three weeks? And in the meantime, his mind goes somewhere else. They're interviewing with other companies. They're quicker and more determined to hire them. Um, they're, if, if they are hard positioned to feel there's not a lot of candidates out there, the, uh, the candidates are really... Um, courted by different companies, right? So you have to have a better and quick and and better offer in order to attract the best candidates. If you are like, you know, the Italians that, like Peter said, risk adverse, they take a long time, they have to think about it. Oh, I want to see more candidates. You know, it becomes really lengthy and it becomes really messy. So you will lose that candidate potentially as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or is exactly. it is it is it from the stereotype? Um, I mean, it's a stereotype. I know that uh, shoot first and then ask questions. So be quick, be fast and quick on your feet. Yes, and and prepared. I think it's not a matter of like just making an offer to the first candidates come through the door. It's not what you want either. You have to have a process. You have to know what you want, and you have to have you you have to prepare first. You know, I don't care if it takes six months for you to discuss the job and determine what the right profile is. But when you start the search, you have to be quick and you have to be the process has has to flow that cannot be interrupted. So, again, not saying hire the first candidate that walks through the door because you want to be quick, but make sure that you keep the candidate engaged to the process. If there is, you know, one week they interview with one person and then immediately they interview the next week with the other. So you keep them engaged. They learn more about the company and they know that the company is, is really interested. Right? I'm serious and about this. Serious. Thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how, how, sorry, Peter, but, but one question for me triggers yet another question. Um, yeah. you, Ivana being from, from Naples, uh, even even for Italian standards, that would be considered the south of Italy, right? I mean, people from Milan would say anything below Milan is already the south of Italy. But so it depends a little bit on where <laughs> on where you're from in 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 Italy. But the, definitely, I would consider Naples being the south of of uh, of Italy. So I I would guess 
that you're used also to this indirect sense of communication. In other words, what I mean with indirect uh, communication in terms of uh, uh, I'm a candidate and you're interviewing me or, or we've seen each other once or, or talked to each other once. And now I'm, um, I'm asking you, okay, uh, so, so what's going on next week? I'm asking you what's going, what's, what's going on? And then if you would answer to me being, say, an American-American, um, uh, I have a lot of work to do. For me, that, that's, that's, a, that's an answer I can't deal with. I don't know, do you have any news? And then the answer is yes or no. And then if it's no or okay. And if it's yes, then it's yes. So how do you, how do you deal with that indirect or possibly direct communication that the Americans typically have? Mm -hmm. So I am very transparent. And when I do searches, I, especially when the candidates that I presented in a shortlist, I, I talk to them, I keep them in the loop, I over-communicate. Mm -hmm. uh, why? Because they, first of all, they appreciate mm -hmm. that because a lot of recruiters, they disappear on them. That's something that is awful. And also because I learn more about them. So if there is a red flag after, you know, a couple of weeks that I've been talking to them, I, it pops up, right? Um, so, but mainly because while they appreciate the fact that you keep them informed. Mm -hmm. So one of the difference, for example, this is, and I think you, in your podcast also mentioned sometimes something like that is simple emails. So the, the Italians, you know, you send an email and you say, please do this and you don't hear anything. With, in America, you say, please do this, and you get an email, yes, we'll be done. So, so this, this quick communication, this, this always like dy dynamic, okay, yes, I, I'm on top of this, is something that the Americans is expecting. Um, I had a hard time when I started working with my Italian client. I would send an email, and then I don't hear from the Italian client. I'm like, did they get my email? And then after two days, I'm like, did you get my email? Oh, yeah. Well, why don't you say so? <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> so that's another difference but i they appreciate people that give you information even if i say i don't know right i will tell them listen it's going to take another week to get back from my client because there is a holiday in italy because this person is on vacation as long as you keep them in the loop they appreciate and they keep engaged it drives me nuts to be honest this indirect communication it's i find that so difficult i just cannot well it's I can read it more or less, you know, if I ask you, did you, do you know something? And then if you answer your answer, it comes back like, I have a lot of work, then the, I know the answer is no, but that's not what I want to hear. It's an indirect way of saying no, because in, 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 a, in a Southern culture, Southern Italian culture, or say Mexican culture as well, you wouldn't be that direct. Do you know something? Nope. Like, oh, that's, in, that's so much in your face. And just the sugarcoat stuff a little bit more, and that's easier to, to well, to digest because otherwise it's it's really in your face. And yeah, I know and that's, I my, that's my experience. You're right about that. I I don't consider myself the typical Neapolitan because I am very direct. But when I worked with Latin people, I changed my style. Like I know, for example, that I have to start by saying, "How is your family? What happened with your kid?" Mm -hmm. You know. I wouldn't do that with a Dutch person, you know. I wouldn't do that with, you know. It's not of your business either. It's just none of your business. Yeah, exactly. So, so yes, I mean, I, um, I'm not your typical, 
you know, Southern Italian. And, and I work, and even the Northern Italian, I noticed that there's not a lot, a lot of differences between the North and the South, especially when you live abroad, right? Like me, yeah. I, I, uh, I have to be honest with you. I prefer working with Northern Italian than with Southern Italian because of that, because <laughs> I'm more, you know, okay, let's talk business. Mm-hmm. Okay, Peter. Yeah, I was thinking about uh, switching gears a little bit to. Uh, I think you mentioned this as well in the um, in your uh, in your post, and it's about uh, the expectations uh, of candidates. And uh, I think you mentioned something like if an American uh, is hired, and of course you are the recruiter. You of course you want to make sure that this person. Uh, is successful and stays with the company. There's a certain retention. Uh, but if the expectations are not met, so the person, for example, has an expectation of a certain salary, a certain bonus structure, what have you, uh, an American might just leave, right? Might resign. And this, of course, relates to the uh, cultural dimension as well on, on uh, loyalty to self or loyalty to group. And this is very different across cultures. In one, in one culture, person might tend, tend to stick with a company or stand with a certain group, et cetera, no matter what, right? right. But in the United States, that's quite different. So you come across this all the time, being uh, a recruiter for Italian companies. Can you tell, some, can you tell us something about that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and it's, it goes back to culture and communication, uh, which you know better than me how, how hard it can be. Like you're saying the same thing, but you're not understanding each other, right? Right. So the American candidate, um, so the expectation is different, right? When when they discuss salaries, they discuss growth. One of the things that my client has asked me once, he said, Ivana, you know, I interview candidates in America and they everybody's like, when I ask, why are you looking to leave your company? They say growth. And then, but I don't know what he means. And I said, did you ask? I always ask. Oh, mm-hmm. great. Can you describe what is growth for you? Mm-hmm. Because growth for you may not be growth for me. Mm-hmm. 99% of the time to an American candidate means money. Okay. I, I'm not going to leave what I have now to make a thousand dollars more or the same. I'm looking to make more. If not, I'm going to stay where I am. Yeah. So they say, oh, the American candidate are greedy. Well, you have to look in the context of the, the, the market. What are you offering? What is the market paying? Is, is this client worth the money that is making according to the American market? Don't compare Italian market to American market. No, no, no. You can't. You know, the salaries are so much lower in Europe, right? In Italy. So I give an example of that, um, which happened with uh, a client of mine. So um, the expectations, right? So he, um, there's an Italian company uh, in manufacturing and they were in the Midwest. And there was an a, a human resources, Italian human resources that moved to the US. I was helping them with the process. So we, um, I helped them, I, I did the shortlist and then they selected one candidate. He wanted to make the offer. So usually I'm, I make the offer. I, you know, I negotiate with the two parties and then I come to the, the conclusion. I send the short, I send the, uh, the offer, they sign, go. Mm-hmm. I usually make a verbal offer first and I have the candidate accept it. In this case, what happened was that he says, I want to make the offer. So I was taking out of the, that process. Now, granted, he knew what my candidate was making and he knew what my candidate wanted. Let's say he was making 100 and he wanted 110. Yeah. He was offered 103. 
with a five-year growth plan, mm-hmm. right? So great, they met in person, they discussed this. I didn't know about this five-year growth plan. I was taking out of the equation. The candidate calls me and says, I'm not taking the offer. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, why, what happened? Well, you offer 103. I'm not leaving for $3,000 more. And then you show me this five-year plan and I say, Vanna, I don't even know the company. What about if the company is going to get sold? How about if the owner is not, even, is not there anymore? How about if they lay me off? I'm sorry, this is too much of a risk. I'm not interested. So I talked to my client and my client was super surprised. He said, oh my God, but he was, he was smiling during the interview. He looked at the growth plan. He says, yes, yes, la, la, la. Why doesn't he understand that in five years he can make more than what he wants today? And I told him exactly the same thing that he said. He said, but we are, we've been in business for 70 years. We're not going anywhere. He doesn't know. You're mm-hmm. a nobody, you know, and the American candidate is used to be laid off. How many people, American corporation, they say goodbye without really a reason. So that's what I'm talking about expectation. You need to understand your, your, your candidate. The candidate says, you need to pay me what I'm worth now. Uh then I'm going to work hard. That's fine. You promote me, but don't show me this carrot because I don't need your carrot. I have a lot of carrots before yours, you know? And so busy, that's sometimes what happens in an interview process. Yeah. But what is important here as well is uh, the concept of time. And uh, Chris and I have done uh, webinars and a couple of podcasts regarding that, the the P&L, right? The profit and loss. An American is looking at a profit and loss on, on, on a quarterly basis almost. And the Europeans is looking at a year or maybe a five-year plan. In five years, something will be better. I invest now, and in five years, I will get my return on investment. And American thinks, I need my return on investment this year or maybe even this quarter. So, for, of course, that's for candidates it's, uh, in your world. It's not, it's not different, right? Don't yes. hold a carrot in front of me for five years. I'm not interested in five years. I'm interested in this year. No. And maybe even this quarter. Now. Yes. Mm. So that's are an there, interesting Ivana, are, are, Sorry. Are, are there any like, easier, easier um, uh, uh, cultures to deal with for you or more difficult cultures to deal with when you're hiring? Or, or, um, or looking for, or do you have, or you can even add this, which is maybe not fair to ask. Do you have a preference for a certain culture because it's easier to work with? Um, that's a good question. Um, it's, I, I work well with Americans, uh, I guess, because I've been here for such a long time. Um, with, for example, with the Latin people, which I, I deal with also, um, I tend to be a little bit more aware of what's behind the words, you know, like what, uh-huh. what are they really saying? Um, as far as other cultures in Europe, I, I, I think that my favorites are the ones like yours. that are more direct. I, I, I remember when I started working at Yair, um, Addy and, and Frank, they're both from Holland and I, I was like, uh, not, not scolded, but, you know, I was told something in a very, very direct way. Like, yes, blah, 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 blah. and I'm like, wow, you know, if it was another person, they would cry and just yeah, leave yeah. The, the room. If it was an American person, like hearing them the way they were talking. But for me, it's like, I'd rather you tell me on my face what it is with respect and, and never, lo- you know, never lack of respect. Uh, because I know where you're coming from. I don't have to guess. So I, I like cultures that 
are more direct. I don't think I would work well with Asian cultures. I'd never work with, you know, Chinese or Japanese. I, I can't, you know, I have, you have to tell me how it is. I can guess. So I think that would be probably a culture that I may not be relating yeah. to very well. Well, you, you, you're, way, not, you're not, sorry, you're not saying that one culture is better than the other. It's just a personal no. preference. That's the, that's yeah. the only thing you're putting exactly. out there. Exactly. Yeah. Peter? Yeah, you, you almost don't, don't seem like the typical Italian in that sense, uh, because uh, I think there are some, some significant differences between the Italians and the Dutch. But what I wanted to ask you, you mentioned a few times already, Latin people. So what do you cons consider Latin? Uh, South Americans. Okay. I don't consider Spaniards Latin. Okay, Latin America. I don't consider Italian Latin. Now, there are some similarities between our culture and the South American cultures, definitely. Yeah. Um, yes, which is more the family. They're more affectionate. Um, you know, there are a lot of, uh, yeah, like like those ties are, are very similar, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, one of the things, for example, that may be different compared to Italians and Northern European, I, I'm very affectionate. I, I like to touch, kiss, hug, you know, <laughs> you know, that is me. Um, and if you're dealing with Americans from the Midwest, you know, you have to, you have to be, yeah, know, yeah, don't touch me. No, no, that's weird. And, and kiss them yeah. and, and this and that mm -hmm. with the Latin it is a lot more, um, uh, social. So, so I, I tend to like cultures that are more social, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Do you see also differences between uh, Latin Americans? I mean, is a, a Mexican versus oh, yeah. an Argentinian? Yeah. Can you say something about that? Yeah, I, I'm not an expert, so so I I can tell you about my experience dealing with friends. Um, there are differences compared. Let's say. And I'm going to, I have to go back to social class more than, you know, actual, you know, people, I, I think a lot of times. Um, but yeah, I don't think that uh, the Caribbean, uh, you know, Latin from the Caribbean are the same as Argentinian or Chilean. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they are, I think Argentinian, Chilean, they're a little bit more reserved for what I observed that, you know, people from the islands or even like northern of Colombia, for example, which is still considered the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. um, I, but that's my, my view as not as a professional, because I don't deal professionally with, with those right. cultures. I don't follow those markets, but as a person, you know, living mm -hmm. definitely in a very Latin uh, yeah. environment. Miami for sure is indeed. I mean, your Spanish should be your, your second language, if not your first language. Yeah. True. Yeah. There are people that don't even, I mean, in, in certain, you know, uh, spaces don't even speak English down here. Yeah, true, true, yeah. true. Go to McDonald's and or try to order something in English. That's, that's, that, that's hard. In Miami, it is. I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Peter, do you have anything else, uh, any, anything else up your sleeve in terms of questions, that is? Well, I would say that one of the questions that I always like to ask is like, you already told one story when, uh, when things didn't work out because the, uh, the American was smiling, but uh, it didn't uh, meet his expectations. So the Italians were confused, or the, at least the company was yeah. confused, uh, that he transmitted an, an, an image of like, I'm interested, but they eventually said no. I was wondering, do you have any other striking example or yeah. or a crazy story or something interesting that happened in your world that you think this this was definitely a cultural uh, differences uh, or an, 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 an impact of cultural differences 
Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, something that is very common that I notice sometimes is, um, and it happened to me like like this year, uh, a company hires uh, a candidate and then after six, seven months, the person resigns. Then they call me and they say, can you help us with this search? So mm. I, I, I'm asking what happened with the person before, et cetera. Um, so in this particular case, it was a, a cultural fit. Like they didn't really hire the right person for the company. So um, and I'm going back to my market. So this Italian company uh, in the U.S. Uh, with the presence, I mean, they had about 50 employees uh, and another 50 in other locations. So it's not like a super small company. However, mm-hmm. for this particular uh, position, they hired someone that was extremely structured. Um, and when and as someone that was not used to working in an international environment. So when this person was put into this environment and had to deal daily with an engineer in Italy, uh, and then in a culture that was not very structured in this particular case, Italians are not, a lot of times they're not very structured, right? They're very creative. They are, they, they solve issues. Uh, on the fly if they have to, but sometimes they lack process and procedures. So this person after eight months found something else and left. And it wasn't about money in this case. It was about that he didn't feel that he was productive in that particular environment. Talking to the Italians in Italy um, aggravated him and not because of just the fact that they spoke English with an accent. It wasn't that. It was that they just didn't understand each other. So what I, uh, what I did, you know, I, I took the search and I, um, I always look at the soft skills. For me, it's very important, you know. Um, have you worked, in what type of environment have you worked? This is what I would suggest anybody to ask. I mean, look at the companies that they come from. Where are they located? Ask the question, have they ever left their state? <laughs> you know, like you, right. I deal a lot in the Midwest, you know, with, with a lot of manufacturing companies located in the Midwest and people yeah. in the Midwest are different compared to people in New York. So um, mm. how describe the perfect environment for you, you know, without prompting them because you don't want to prompt so much because then they tell you what you want to hear. But those kind of like open-ended questions you know, around culture and what they have experienced and how they they react to certain things are key to them select the right candidate. So there are several examples like that, but this one was recent. So I remember that they they were really sad that he left, but they understood that yeah. they made a mistake during the interview process. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm looking at the clock here as well, and um, um, and and the timing uh, of that as well. And it's something that I, I totally forgot to prompt you uh, for, but I'll give you some time to think about this. And but and I have one other last question as well. Um, uh, I'm going to ask you in a, in a, in a while. I'm not asking you right now. Is, can you give us the audience three tips to become more culturally competent? So you don't I don't have to reinvent the wheel, but just. So, so that's that's something that that's that's that that will be a question. And my last question is: Is there anything that we should have asked but didn't ask you? Uh, that you shouldn't ask. Um, I think we cover a lot of you know. We talk about interview process. Um, oh, I want to talk very briefly about loyalty because it's something that comes up a lot, especially with my Italian clients. You know, Americans change job a lot more often than Europeans. It's normal. It's the market. 
and especially Italians. Let's let's talk about Italians more. Italians unemployment is very high, um, so people tend to stay with a company for a long time, and so that comes the loyalty. So it happens a lot of times that they look at a resume. A person left three years here, five years there, two years there, and they're like, Ivana, this guy shows no loyalty. I'm not interested. So again, you have to go back into looking at the market. Um, loyalty to an Italian is, you know, you hire me. Thank you so much for hiring me, you know, especially if you're entry level. Uh, I prove myself. I work very hard and, you know, I I, I connect. There's, there's a lot of like the connections between mm-hmm. Italians. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I feel part of the company just because we go and get coffee together every, every day. And, you know, and, and that's how the loyalty sometimes is perceived. It's like, okay, I'm pretty okay in this job. I like it, you know, but I really like the people I'm, I'm around and I created a rapport. In America, it's different. The American candidate says, you're hiring me because you need me, right? So you pay me what I'm worth. Mm-hmm. Now, if you treat me, so I'm coming in, I don't know you, you don't know me. I'm going to work hard. You recognize my work. You promote me. I am loyal. Mm-hmm. So the loyalty for the America comes afterwards is not, it's, it has to be earned. While for the Italian, sometimes the loyalty is almost a given, like, okay, I need to be loyal to this company, whatever reason is, there's not a lot of jobs out there, because sometimes I think that's also why in Italy, people are loyal, because it's hard to, to change job, or it's more, it's more emotional mm. for, for the Italian. For the American, it's less emotional. So this is something that I think is important in cultures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point indeed. Yeah. yeah. And then I, back to, to the last question about the three things. Yes. Um, I would say, number one, you have to be open-minded. And, and you have to be humble, not thinking that your culture is always the best. So um, that's, that's number one. You have you have to um, you have to listen. You have to have good listening and observation skills. You know to to see what what people say around you. You know, like without a the idea of criticizing, you can create informal opinion because everybody does, and we all have opinions. But at least give yourself the chance to listen. Um, then I think you have to read history. I, I love history, uh-huh. <laughs> and I think that you would understand a lot about a company, a culture and, uh, uh, you know, people, you know, in a country, if you know a little bit about their history. I agree very much. Yeah. Good points. Exactly. Um, Peter, any last point for you? No, I think, I think uh, it's, you asked me the same question when you did a podcast with me a couple of years ago. And I said, uh, number one is uh, don't assume, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because you can assume that I'm better, my culture is better, I don't understand you. So don't t- leave the assumptions aside. But it was an interesting conversation. I enjoyed it. Me too. Yeah. Thank you so much. So last, qu- last point then, Ivana. If people, after listening to this podcast, if they want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Well, I, they can find me on LinkedIn. It's uh, at Ivana Lodovici, L-O-D-O-V-I-C-I. Uh-huh. Uh, and, I mean, I don't know, I can give them my email or... Yeah, go ahead, you know. whatever. I mean, however you would like to be reached, because whatever that, whatever you say will be in the show notes as well. And, of course, record it as we're doing right now. Okay. 
So, I mean, you can use my work email, which is my first name, Ivana, I-V-A-N-A, my last name, Lodovici, L-O-D-O-V-I-C-I, at Y-E-R.com. That'll be in the show notes at culturematters.com. Thank you so much again, Peter. Thank you for your time as well. Ivana, have a great day on the other thank side of the, of the Atlantic and stay safe there. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Overlooking cultural differences when you're developing your business internationally can be the biggest mistake you can make. Let Chris and Peter help you avoid those mistakes. Get in touch now. Go to culturematters.com.